Hi, today's scripture comes from Philippians chapter 2, verse 17 through 30. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you, so you should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope the Lord Jesus will send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show the genuine concern for your welfare, for everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy has proved himself because as a son of his father, he has served <coughs> with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I can see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, who you, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he belongs to all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost dead, but God had mercy on him, and not on him, but also on me. To spare me sorrow upon sorrow, therefore I was all, I am all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. So then welcome him to the Lord with great joy and honor people like him because he almost died for the work of the Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. Ladies and gentlemen, lend me your ear while I tell you a story. A story that is based on actual events. All right? Okay. Once upon a time, there was a hero. My daddy. Say hi to daddy. But he's not just any hero, mind you. He's the sort of hero that rises in the midst of darkness. Ah! To battle the forces of evil that came out of nowhere. And the spiral's all like, super scary. And I think there was this huge moth. Yep, there he is. Oh, man. Boom, whoosh, boom. And Daddy was all like, boom, slash. There. All safe and comfy. Was he born a hero? Oh, I think not. He was chosen to protect and provide for those he loves. Is he a little stinky sometimes? No, I mean yes, but it doesn't matter. As long as we're together, smiles are to be had and adventures are to be shared. Plus, Mommy says he's the walking definition of a handsome gentleman. So that's good. Being a hero and a daddy comes with great responsibility. And there are times when he simply must be celebrated. So here's to my hero and all the other daddies out there. May God bless you and give you the happiest Father's Day ever.
Well, good morning and happy Father's Day, church. Hey, it was so fun worshiping together this morning at our first outdoor gathering. I'm so glad that we got to see each other. And for all of you joining us online, I'm sorry that you missed the homemade uh, stew and, and steak breakfast. It was fantastic. We didn't really do that. But again, happy Father's Day. So glad that you're joining us. Listen, our fathers are absolutely some of the greatest heroes out there. And I want to begin this morning with a simple question. Here it is. Get your phone ready because I'm going to invite you to text this to someone or uh, put your answer right there in the comments section. But here's the question. Who's your hero? Who's someone that you admire? Maybe it's someone who's living or fictitious, don't care. Just who's one of your heroes? Ready? You got 30 seconds. Share with us your answers. All right, did you get your answer in? You know, heroes are more than people that we admire. They are the people that when you see them, you kind of go, wow, I, I want to be like you. I'm, I can remember one of my first heroes growing up was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, Donatello. Yes, Donatello, you say, why? Well, because he loved pizza and he loved to build things. And I always loved to push buttons as a kid. And so I wanted to be the one who built things. And so I would watch the television show. I would talk like Donatello. I'd say things like Cowabunga and Dude. I even dressed up like him for Halloween one year. And I'm not making this up. I remember one year in our backyard, they were making this uh, new subdivision, and they had some sewage uh, pipes coming in. And there was this one great big one, the size that I could fit down. And it went down about 15 feet, the sewer pipe, and then over about 20 feet. And before they filled it with water, I made that my personal Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle hideout. It was amazing because I loved him and I wanted to be like Donatello. Now listen, you may not have grown up in the age of Ninja Turtles. Maybe if you are of a previous generation, maybe your hero was the Lone Ranger or maybe the Power Rangers or maybe it was, uh, you know, an athlete or a musician. But every one of us, no matter who you are, we all are hardwired to look up to other people, to make heroes of other people. In fact, this is the way God designed it. That's why God intended for children to be raised in a loving family, to have parents who would be their heroes, to show them how to live. This is why children are constantly looking, whether for a real-life person or a fictitious character, to figure out, who will I become? And they look to other people. And we never really grow out of that, do we? To this day, I'm still looking at other people and going, boy, I want to be like you. And chances are you're doing the same. And it's such a good gift to have heroes, but it can go horribly, horribly wrong when we make certain people, wrong people, our heroes. Many of you know the pain of a child or know of a friend who had a child who made certain people their heroes and it took them down paths of pain and misery. But that's not how God described it or designed it to work. And so we're in this series today, finishing it up, called The Keystone Effect, How One Change Can Change Everything. And it comes from this one chapter in this one little letter to the Philippian church, chapter 2. And every week we've looked at a different singular change that if we make that one change, it can change everything. 
And so at this point, here's the big one for today. And really, I would say, here's the change. That if you embrace this change, if you can help your kids embrace this change, if you can help your spouse, your friends, those over whom you have influence, if you can help others embrace this change, it can change everything. And here it is. Are you ready? Make heroes of the right people. Make heroes of the right people. Listen, I'm convinced this is the number one job of every parent that with their children, more than a good education, more than the right school, more than the nicest clothes, more than any of those things, the number one job of a parent is to raise their children to make heroes of the right people, to say, Jesus is my hero, and I will find others who live like Jesus. They'll be the ones that I don't just admire, but I want to be like In fact, this is what Paul has been doing, and he's been leading up, and through most of this chapter, he's been giving us examples of heroes. Have you noticed that? He begins with verse 3 and 4. He says, Do not and do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. He begins with this high and lofty goal of living a certain kind of life. And then he says, let me show you some people who are living it well. Live like them. And he begins with the ultimate superhero, Jesus Christ. In verse 5, when he says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Don't just admire him. Live to be like him. And then in verse 16 through 19, he then says, hey, I'm trying to follow Christ. You follow me. I'm pouring my life out. I'm letting go of myself and I'm giving it up. You be like me. And then he says, but don't only look for heroes who are older than you. There are people who are much younger, perhaps, who are these kinds of heroes. And he mentions this guy named Timothy, his protege. And he says of Timothy, I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. See, everyone else is looking out for their interests. But Timothy, he cares for you. And then he finishes this chapter and he says, but let me tell you about one more person, an image, example of a hero. His name is Epaphroditus. And in this, Paul calls Epaphroditus a man worthy of honor. In fact, he says, honor men just like him. You look for people like Epaphroditus and you say, that's who I want to be. You follow their example. You say, well, what's so great about this guy? Well, Paul says, Epaphroditus is my brother, my fellow worker, and a fellow soldier. He's a brother, a worker, and a soldier. And these three things, I think, define what a hero looks like. So I'm going to just break this out for our remaining time. If you want to follow along, I encourage you to do so. But when you are looking for people to follow as heroes, you make the right people heroes in these three ways. Make heroes out of people, number one, who define, number one, who define themselves by their relationship with God. <laughs> people who define themselves by their relationship with God. This is what this idea of Paul calling him a brother really means. See, this is incredible. In the ancient world, Jews and Gentiles did not call one another brother or sister. Now, in our culture, we don't think anything of it because we're so used to this, but not in the ancient world. See, Paul, he was a Hebrew. He was one of God's chosen people. But Epaphroditus, he was not a Jew. In fact, he was Greek. You say, how do we know that? We know it by his name. His name, Epaphroditus, literally means beloved of Aphrodite. She was the Greek goddess of love. 
So there's this pagan-born young man who grew up in a Greek culture, and you have this Jewish man, and they're calling each other brothers, which was unheard of. The ancient world was divided far more than our world today. If you were a Greek, because the Greeks thought of themselves very highly, if you were a Greek, everyone else, if they were not a Greek, they were considered a barbarian, just a nobody, just scum of the earth. And to the Romans, you had two groups. You had Roman citizens. Ooh, we are the best. But if you were not a citizen, you were a subject of Rome. And even the Jewish people had this division. If you were not a Jew, everyone else who was not a Jew, you were considered a Gentile, unclean, unwashed, separated, unloved. So this was a world of separation defined by race, by power, by affluence and influence. And all of a sudden, on comes to the scene this man named Jesus, who is God, and he says, I'm starting a new family. And if you come to my family, the secondary characteristics of life no longer define you. Where you went to school does not define you. How much you make does not define you. The color of your skin does not define you. Where you were born does not define you. Who you vote for does not define you. He says, what defines you? is that you are a child of God, and you are my brother. You are my sister. And I love this. Paul begins this entire thing. He says, you honor men like him. What kind of men? Men who define themselves by their relationship to God, who say the number one thing about me is not where I live, what I look like, how I vote, how much money I make. The number one thing about me is that I am a son of God or you are a daughter of God. We are siblings. This is a hero, especially in our world of division. Heroes say we are family and we are together. Listen, Jesus came along and redefined who we were in him and heroes, people who get this, Don't let their secondary traits become their primary focus. He says, he's my brother. You find someone who defines himself or herself by their relationship with God. Number two, he says, he's a fellow worker, a fellow worker. Write this down. Heroes, you find people or make heroes out of people who risk themselves to help others. You make heroes out of people who risk themselves to help others. This is what it meant when he said, he is my fellow worker. You see, Paul was in prison. He was in chains in Rome. And when you're in chains in Rome, Rome does not feed you while you're in prison. You're reliant on your friends and family to care for you. And so this little church in Philippi heard that their beloved friend Paul was in prison and they made a collection. They scrimped and they saved. They gave up meals. They sold possessions. They got enough money. They said, we want to help Paul so he doesn't die. And this one man in the church says, I'll take it. His name was Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus, you got to understand, this wasn't anything. It wasn't just to hop in the car and go down the road. This was an 800-mile trek from Philippi to Rome over deadly terrain, carrying a gift that would make him a target for bandits and robbers. And he says, I will do it. I will risk myself to help others. This is what heroes do. Heroes always risk their lives to help other people. And Paul says, look, you make heroes out of people who risk themselves to help others. In fact, this was such a dangerous six-week journey that we're told that Epaphroditus almost died along the way, he writes, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life. I love what Arthur Ashe, pro tennis player, says. He says, true heroism is remarkably sober, very undramatic, 
it is not the urge to surpass all others at whatever cost, but the urge to serve others at whatever cost. Every day, Epaphroditus got up and he put one foot in front of the other for 800 miles. He did not write a blog post. He did not make some fancy speech. But what made him a hero was that he did the right thing daily, risking himself for the benefit of others. Quick question, do you know anyone who does more than they talk? Do you know anyone who regularly and consistently, willfully risk themselves for the benefit of others? I think about the daddies who get up, they go to work every day, maybe at jobs they just don't really love, but they do it. They give of themselves to help others. I think about the teachers who sacrifice their time, their energy, grading papers, or staying after school, or Zoom conferencing their students, and pouring into others. They're risking and sharing and giving up their life for the benefit of others. I think about the parents who care for their kids when they're sick and tuck them in bed at night. These are heroic efforts. They're small things, one foot in front of the other, but a hero risks him or herself for others. Paul says, you make heroes out of those kind of people. And number three, he calls Epaphroditus a fellow soldier. Write this down. Heroes fight the right enemy. Let me say it again. Heroes fight the right enemy. Think about this with me. I love this image of a soldier. It's a fighter. Listen, to be a soldier or a fighter means you have an enemy. After all, Batman has the Joker, Spider-Man has Green Goblin, and the Avengers have Thanos. It's often been said that the measure of a hero can be counted in the difficulty of their enemy. So quick question. Do the people that you want to be like have enemies? And not just do they have enemies, but second question, do they have the right enemies? See, we live in a world that is constantly looking at people to pick fights with and blame and fuss and fight over every possible thing. Some are very noble causes and some are very unnoble. But the reality is, in a world like this, it is important not simply to find someone who's fighting, but someone who's fighting the right fight. And you say, well, what's the right fight? Well, Paul in Ephesians chapter 6 tells us, he says, look, our enemy, our fight, our war is not against the people that you see day in and day out, even those who are behaving badly. He says that our fight is not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against, write this down, evil spirits in the heavenly places. See, do you have a hero who is a fighter, who stands tall, who does not back down, does not give up? See, some of the greatest fighters I know do not yell and scream, but they have calloused knees because they're going to God in prayer because they are doing war. They're fighting against the true enemy, and that is devil and his dark angels. Do you follow people who fight the right fights? I was thinking this week about the ladies in our church who on a regular basis go out and they rescue women who are being sold on the streets and they are risking themselves, but they are not just risking themselves. They are waging war. They are fighting a battle, not against flesh and blood. They are facing off against the lies and the enemy who are telling these women they are worth nothing, that they are only as good as what they can get from a John. That is what a hero does. I was thinking about the daddies who regularly 
step into difficult conversations with their kids or who will grab kids who do not have dads and they will say, I am here for you. Whatever you need, you come to me and I will go to bat for you. They're fighting the right fights. They are stepping out. They are taking risks and risking themselves for the benefit of others. That's what a real hero does. Are you making the right people your heroes? Paul says, this is what it looks like. What would it look like if our church was not simply full of heroes, but what if we as a church committed today, we would make one change that changes everything, that we would make the right people our heroes, that we would not simply look at the loudest or the person who's the most obvious, but we would say, does that person define him or herself by who God says they are? Does this person risk him or herself for the benefit of others? Does this person fight, doesn't buckle, doesn't back down, but fights the right enemy of, the, of Satan's sin and death and is bringing the good news of Jesus like a gift to Paul. We bring the good news of Jesus to others in this world. You find that person and you found the true hero. Well, it's no surprise that Paul begins this entire talk about heroism with Jesus. And I guess if I were to define this and simplify it into one summary statement, I'd put it this way. A hero is someone who pours him or herself out for other people. He says of Jesus in verse 7 that Jesus emptied himself. He poured himself out like this bottle of water. He did it willfully. Notice he, he poured. He wasn't knocked over. He intentionally did it. And then of himself, he says in verse 17, he says, for I am being poured out like a drink offering. Friend, I, I just want to speak very candidly with you. The kind of people that you want to make your hero and to be a hero is to say, I have a life and it is full of years and opportunities, but it will be empty. There will come a day, and I don't know when, but there will come a day when my cup is empty and I have a choice to either intentionally pour it out into the cup of others or to be knocked over and wasted to be spilt. Paul doesn't say that he was being spilled. Jesus Christ was not spilled. He poured himself out. See, a hero says, I will be defined by who God says I am. I will risk myself for the benefit of others, and I will fight the right enemy. I will pour myself out. I'm not going to be wasted. And so I'm going to invite you this week, begin to ask God, who are the people that I should make my heroes? Because this is the one change that can absolutely change everything. Well, thank you again for joining us this morning. Hey, before you shut off the broadcast, I want to remind you, that on July the 12th, we will reopen for live gatherings right here. It's going to be a great day. Go on our website to reserve your spot because we have to keep things sort of limited. You'll want to pick your spot for any of the service times available. If you have any questions, you can always visit us also on the website or call us here at the office. And if there's anything we can do for you, we would be honored to do so. Just click the prayer button there in the chat or you can uh, call us and we'd love to care for you. But know this, we love you, we are for you, and more importantly, Jesus is for you. May God be with you this week. God bless you.